Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good to see you. Can I just remind you, those of you that are in the room, you're not watching at home. I can see you. And although I can't see your smiles, I can definitely see your eyes and your heads nodding. So we'll just work together today. You can give me lots of this. It's really encouraging. Hi to everybody online. So good to have you with us. We're in many locations today. We're at this building. We're in your house. And we're all together. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) So have a sore neck by the end of the day. So good to be together. It's week two in our series Uh, That's called a Christmas journey, and um, it's going to take us right into Christmas Eve and actually into Boxing Day, where we have this one combined service all together, 10 o'clock in the morning on Boxing Day. So I hope we can all come and be together. Um, It's going to be, that'll be a great morning. But this this series will kind of run all the way through to that time. And so today I want to ask a question. Here it is. The Christmas journey is, you fill in the blank. What would you say? The Christmas journey is. And you could take some time and really ponder that, think about that. That's a question you could throw it at your dinner table uh, on Christmas or a time around the fire or whatever. But the Christmas journey is. I'm going to talk to you about a few things that I see in this next part of the the storyline that we're going to be jumping into. Pastor Adam gave us uh, the genealogy last week, starting in verse 1 of Matthew. We're following through in Matthew's story. And uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 18 at the end of that genealogy. But the Christmas journey is, I I thought about that and I filled in the blank this way. I think the Christmas journey is messy. How many of you would agree? Wow, it's complicated. It's funny. It's strange. There's the sordid storylines of the genealogy. There's, you know, uh, there's people, there's characters in that storyline that wouldn't be in um, the king, king type lineage, but they're there in Jesus's lineage. The birth of Jesus is full of tension and, and drama and extraordinary circumstances and perilous travels and angelic visitations and a young girl giving birth in the hay of a stable. It is nothing when it comes to neat and tidy. It is everything when it comes to being very messy and challenging. And although when I think about my Christmas in comparison, your Christmas, we're quite civilized but we can be just as messy. (laughs) Our Christmases can feel just as messy. And I'm not just talking about the dishes after the meal, which that's real and that's messy, but I'm talking about messy relationships, complex schedules, fear of infection, challenges with money, Uh, on one end, loneliness for some, and on the other, the overwhelming size of family and the family expectations. Meal prep, presents to buy, wrapping it all up and making sure it's all under the tree by the 24th. So the truth is, is Christmas continues to be challenging. It continues to have tension. It continues to be messy. But I'm asking for you to take the next 25 minutes with me and lay aside all of that today. And let's enter back into the ancient story. If we're going to think about the mess, let's look at the mess of the ancient story. And then let's look beyond that mess because the Christmas journey, although messy, is also an invitation to experience the Holy Spirit. It really is. In fact, the Holy Spirit is so active 
in the Christmas story. Let's read verse 18, the first half, and then the second half in just a moment. We'll start our storyline now. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. So in our Western context, we don't really get what this means. Did they have a conversation? Did they shake hands? Was it, you know, was there a ring exchange? What does it mean pledged to be married? Well, there are three stages to the Jewish courtship process. The first is actually engagement. Can you believe it starts with engagement? An engagement begins often at childhood. It's often the parents that get together from any particular community. They know each other. They have generations together. They, they have seen each other's lives. And they say, let's consider putting our children together. And then you get to the stage that's called betrothal. And this is the stage where the, the girl, the young girl, has a say in what's about to happen. She can either accept this engagement and ratify it or reject it and kind of start the process over in a different way. But once it is agreed upon, the two are seen as man and wife, and it's only a matter of time. It's a one-year process where they actually have the marriage ceremony and then begin their life together. And so they're already viewed as man and wife in this area known as betrothal, and that's where Mary and Joseph were. They were in the context of this one year where the marriage had been, the engagement had been ratified, the marriage was still yet to come. And so right there in the middle of that, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph in the second part of the verse, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So we see the drama unfolding before us. Talk about tension. Talk about extraordinary circumstances. But one thing we need to see here is that the Holy Spirit was active in this Christmas story. And the Christmas journey is an invitation to experience the Holy Spirit. And when we jump over into Luke's account, which is different than Matthew's account, it's one of the other Gospels, there are two kind of timeline stories of Jesus' birth, one in Matthew, one in Luke. When we jump over into Luke, we begin to see all of this Holy Spirit activity that's not even necessarily about Mary, but the Holy Spirit is so active, it's absolutely incredible. In fact, there is this forerunner to Jesus who's known as John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's parents are really where the story begins in Luke. John the Baptist's father's name was Zechariah, and he was a priest in the, in the temple. And he was given the honor of going in to the Holy of Holies and doing work before the Lord. And an angel visits him there. And one of the things that the angel says about John, who is yet to come, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth have no children, and they're getting old. And the angel comes and says, you're, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. And this is one of the things that the angel says. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So in the womb, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so active in the beginning of the Christmas journey. And after John's birth, Zechariah regains his voice. And the Bible says in verse 67, his father, Zechariah, John's father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So this is powerful utterance that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit's work in the Christmas story. Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, while still carrying John, is visited by Mary, who is now with child through the Holy Spirit. And when Mary greets her, here's what it says. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt 
in her womb. Maybe it was at that very moment where John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit because he was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born. But read on. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Wow. The Holy Spirit is very active in this early part of the Christmas story. But there is a difference between what happened to Mary and what we see here with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were filled with the Spirit and they were given prophetic inspiration. They spoke things out. Mary experienced something different. Mary experienced in her physical body what no other human being has ever experienced, and that was the creative power of the Holy Spirit at work within her physical body. Creative power. In fact, I want you to hear how Luke tells about this account. It says, the angel answered Mary and says this, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. There's a picture here, friends. This picture of being overshadowed by the Holy One, by the Most High. This this overshadowing is a picture. It's a picture of the tent of meeting back in the Old Testament where Moses went in and a cloud descended on the tent and God met with him. It's the same picture that we see when Jesus climbs up the mountain of transfiguration and a cloud descends on the mountain and he's transformed before him, before those who are there. You see, it's this picture of God coming down in power and revealing, transforming, and in this case, creating. It's the same picture as in the very beginning of time, when you go back to the beginning before the earth was formed, it says the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's the same language here. God was coming to overshadow the world before creation. God was coming to overshadow Mary and the creative power of the Holy Spirit brought Jesus into her womb. Wow. Wow. What a powerful picture that is. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's a a creative power. And yet, because of Jesus, because of that physical moment, now there is a release of creative power by the Holy Spirit for us to experience, although different, to experience because of what happened here. The creative work of the Holy Spirit can be at work in you this Christmas. Here's how it looks. If you're not a Christian, here's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, in other words, when you give your life to Christ, the new creation has come. There is a creative power that's released when you accept Christ and you become a new creation. And if you're here today and you are a Christian, you are a follower of Jesus, then the creative power of the Holy Spirit has touched your life through Jesus. And that's what Christmas invites us to remember and to enjoy that Jesus transforms. Amen? He transforms. And you... You continue to be recreated by the power of God. You continue that process of recreation into his image. And so here's what I want to do. 
at every one of my points today, I just want us to pause. And today, in this point, I want us to pause and I want us to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit to work in us this Christmas. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the invitation to experience you this Christmas. And I pray that the creative power of the Holy Spirit would be released in us, released to manifest in us and to touch those that we love as well. And Lord, for those who have never experienced the rebirth of becoming a new creation in Christ, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring creative power, Lord, making them new in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The Christmas journey is this wonderful invitation to experience the Holy Spirit. The Christmas journey is also an opportunity to think supernaturally, to think supernaturally. So let's jump back into the story. Now, here we are. Mary and Joseph are, in, are betrothed beyond engagement. It's been ratified. And all of a sudden, she's pregnant. Mary's pregnant. It's not Joseph's baby. That equals a scandal right? That is a major problem. This messes up everything. And Joseph was a good, good man. He really was. I think he really loved Mary. I think he was excited about the marriage. And so as this news would have fallen upon him, it would have fallen heavy upon him. And and that's why there's this opportunity to begin to think supernaturally. Because although Joseph was such a good man, his natural thought was very interesting. Here's what it was. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, in other words, he believed in atonement, he believed that sin and punishment kind of went together, he was faithful to the law, the Old Testament law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. In other words, he cared for her, he was compassionate toward her, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's a good man. And this was his highest, most noble natural thought. I guess the best thing I can do is just to divorce her quietly. And honestly, this is probably the most generous natural thought that you could possibly have with the cultural landscape of ancient Israel. Because the truth is, she could have been exposed. She could have been publicly disgraced. She could have been stoned for being an adulteress. And so Joseph's highest natural thought was was because he was a good man. I'm going to protect her. I'm not going to go to the elders. I'm going to keep it quiet. But I'm so glad for God's supernatural thought, aren't you? That just goes higher. You know, there was a higher thought that God brought to him. There was a supernatural thought that God brought. And here's what it says in verse 20. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. There was a whole bunch of fears that he was working through. Fears on the the faithfulness and loyalty of of his betrothed. Fears about the ridicule of the community. Fears of what this might mean or what this might say. Would Would they be cut off from all the others? Fear after fear. And the angel comes and speaks to that fear and says, don't be afraid. You can take her home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's not lying to you, Joseph. You're not being deceived. God is at work. 
I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in this kind of a situation where your natural thought just wasn't high enough. <laughs> Have you ever been in that position? Your natural conclusion, what you thought about, um, it says it here, after he considered this, what you considered just wasn't high enough. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've needed a supernatural thought because your natural thought just wasn't there. I'm going to tell on myself now. I've had times in my own life where my, my highest natural thought just wasn't high enough. Okay, so here it is. I am a pastor, and I interact with pastors. And I have to be honest. I'm talking about a pastor I like, but I didn't like him at that point. I'm telling on myself here. This pastor, I had a bad exchange with this person, and they irritated me tremendously. I know that never happens to you, <laughs> but it happened to me. And I have to be honest, I was frustrated and struggling, and, I, and then I came up with this wonderful thought, because I'm such a good man, just like Joseph, I'm a good man. And my highest thought was like, I know what happens when I feel this way. I need to pray for that person. So I began to pray for this other pastor. I prayed that God would bless him, bless his family, bless his church. And I began to pray for him. And I thought, there you go. There's my highest thought. That's that. Boy, thank you, God. And maybe that opened the door for what was next. But what I felt God say to me is, you're not thinking high enough. And what I heard next was, I want you to give. And I don't want you to go to the church and ask for a, a benevolent check from the church to give a blessing to another church. I want you to give out of your own personal finances. And this is how much I want you to give. And I thought, get behind me, Satan. What is going on? Here? No, I didn't. I knew that was a supernatural thought. It was like the Lord was saying, Andy, you're not thinking high enough. I... I think I was on a journey with the Lord and through my prayers, and I would encourage you, if you have uh, an irritation with someone, pray for them. But it'll open up the door and maybe God's gonna elevate the thoughts. Joseph's natural thought just wasn't high enough. Mine just wasn't high enough. But what happened is, is I responded. And let me tell you, when I responded with that gift, when I put that letter and that money in the mailbox with the stamp on it and off it went, every ounce of ill will, every, every tiny bit of irritation, every negative perspective supernaturally vanished. It's gone. And I just, the reason why I share that with you is not, you know, to, to elevate me, but just to say God had something supernatural to say. God supernaturally worked in me, gave me a thought that was beyond my highest thought. And maybe that's exactly what you need this Christmas. Maybe you've got something going on in your world, in your life. And what you need is you're feeling the tension. You're feeling the concern. And what you need is the Holy Spirit to give you a supernatural thought, to elevate that thinking beyond what you're capable of even yourself. Thanks, God, for those highest thoughts. We're praying for those supernatural thoughts. And you know what happened is this was an interesting time in the life of our church. And when I gave that gift, when God removed that irritation from my soul, he also did something else. It was immediately after that that God released our West Hills campus. 
And I just thank God. I feel like they were connected. It was like it was a blockage and the enemy wanted to use it to drive a wedge. And instead, God cleared the way. Our West Hills campus was launched. And I'm believing that it's just around the corner that once again, that West Hills community is going to be up and running. I'm believing for January. I really am. So you can pray with me about that. But I just love that the Lord does these kind of things. And, and I want to pray with you now. I want to pray because right now you might be saying, God, I need a supernatural thought. So pray with me. Lord, we just thank you. Bring supernatural thinking to us this Christmas. The ability to hear your thoughts and obey your plan with new passion. God, give us divine thoughts that will bless others. Lord, take us higher. Take us beyond our highest thoughts, the highest thoughts of good people and into the world, the realm of supernatural, where you begin to work in Jesus name. We thank you. Amen. Yeah. So Christmas is also thirdly proof that God keeps his promises in the arrival of Jesus. So much of what had been promised was beginning to be fulfilled Here's what the next verse says. As the angel's still speaking to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is Yeshua and Yeshua means Joshua and Joshua means God or Jehovah saves. And so in his very name is his purpose. In his very name is his nature. And the angel calls that out, name him Jesus, because he's coming to save this world. And that's exactly who we're worshiping. What a promise. Salvation will come through this baby. And then as we read on, he begins to give the proof. God promised this a long time ago. All this took place, Matthew says, to fulfill what the Lord had said. He promised it a long time ago through the prophet. And this is Isaiah 7:14 being quoted. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we see it here. This child has to come. This is God with us coming through the virgin. Joseph, are you seeing it? God is proving himself faithful again, that he keeps his promises. And there's over 350 such promises in your Bible about Jesus' life, his death, and his birth. They're all there. And one of my favorite promises comes out of one of these very famous Christmas passages where it says that Jesus will be called the Prince of Peace. And I want to talk to you about that for just a minute because... When we look around at our world, you can look around right now and, and you consider where we are as a world. You consider where families are. You consider the tone and the, the texture of relationship and dynamic in the workplace. You think about the politics between nations. You could ask, how is God keeping his promise of peace? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, why is the world like it is? Why are we here? Didn't the angels come to proclaim peace on earth? And yet here we are. And that question is so key and so important for those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who want to trust in the promises of God. Here's a very important concept. I want you to remember this. The concept is this. Now 
and not yet. Now and not yet. And so when we start talking about Jesus being the Prince of Peace, I want to tell you, you can have peace in the soul. You can have peace with God and you can have it now. But when it comes to peace over our whole world, it's not yet. And so where are we in this? We're caught in the in-between, between the beginning and the completion. And this is the principle. It is now and not yet. God is bringing peace and peace is still yet to come. God's kingdom is here because Jesus came, but the kingdom is not yet fully here. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so it's so important to understand God does keep his promises. And let Christmas build your faith that God keeps his promises. And we're seeing that now and we're still waiting for it because it's not yet. So important, so key. So pray with me today. God, you keep your promises because Jesus came. We see it. We believe it. And we thank you that you are a promise keeper, that you remain faithful even when we are faithless. That's what your word says. And Lord, we thank you for peace in the soul. We thank you that there is peace between you and humanity. And Jesus, we thank you for the peace that's yet to come. We wait for it with expectation. Jesus, we wait for you to come and to fulfill peace on earth in Jesus' name. Amen. And my final thought for you today, the Christmas journey is also a call to create belonging. You know, I've, I have had a hard time with this next verse, not because it's a difficult verse, but just because I think the Lord has placed the true weight of it upon my heart. This next verse to me is so precious. And I see a story and a deeper story in it. Christmas is a journey into belonging. Here's what this next verse says. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. I've often thought about what this would have meant for Joseph. See this picture with me. See, Joseph chose to join Mary. Just think about Mary. Although so strong and so faith-filled and although so willing, she was so vulnerable. She could have been thrown out in the street by her family. Joseph could have stood away from her and let her just experience what life would bring her. He could have distanced himself from her, but he chose to create belonging. I want you to think about that. He chose to join Mary in her shame, to shoulder the looks, to 
to stand up under all of the gossip and the watching eyes. He chose to join her, stand alongside her in the ostracization that happens in those kind of ancient cultures. He chose to identify with her so that Jesus could be born into our world. I'm moved by that. But I'm also moved by the greater picture that Joseph's life begins to show us. Because Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus did for all of us what Joseph did for Mary. Jesus covers you. (laughs) He joins you in your pain and in your shame. He takes it away. He stands between you and the judgment. He says, I'll take it. What a beautiful picture. (laughs) Not to be forgotten at Christmas time because Jesus took the shame of the cross. He took it for you, friend. He took it for me. He identified with me in my sinfulness so that he could be born in me and I could be born anew. I could experience the power of being a new creation. Wow. I'm so moved by that today. I hope you see that picture. When Mary chose, when Joseph chose to bring Mary home as his wife, he was showing us the redemptive path that Christ himself would walk in rescuing us. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And here's a verse to hang that thought on, to let it just sit in your heart. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who knew no shame. He knew no shame. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And the verse goes on, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. My goodness. What a powerful, powerful exchange, my friend. That's for you. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that you create belonging for all of us who will believe. And thank you today for this picture in the Christmas journey, a picture of invitation to experience your spirit an opportunity, Lord, an opportunity to think supernaturally. Thank you for the promise of now and not yet. And thank you for calling us to belonging. So we pray, Jesus.
that you'd bring Christmas into focus for us. That we would begin to see clearly how beautiful your redemptive work is and how immediately it began even before you arrived. Thank you, Jesus. We see you. We see you in the manger and we have such hope. We love you, Lord, and we give you our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friend, why don't you stand with me and let's sing a closing song together and just turn our attention to Jesus. We're going to sing about his goodness and about how worthy he really is. Let's sing together.